Hey everyone, this is Mike Delpretti and you're listening to Context, the podcast where I'm talking to industry leaders about things that are and are not changing across real estate. Today, I'm joined by Sam Sawyer, CEO and founder of Pinnacle Realty Advisors. Hey, Sam. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Sam, we're just kind of wrapping up the second real estate innovation hub here in Boulder and Sam attended that. And through the course of discussion, I was like, wow, this is a really interesting story. So I grabbed my podcast equipment and here we are. So before I ask you like the big question around why I think it's interesting, I mean, give everybody a sense. What is Pinnacle Realty Advisors? Yeah, Pinnacle Realty Advisors is a full service brokerage firm with a SaaS-like business model. So a subscription-based business model. We're not building software, so I don't like people to get confused that it's like a software business. But the idea came about just from seeing subscription-based business models in other industries. Mm -hmm. You pay a set fee, you get set services, and then if you want to add on other services, you pay for them. So similar to lots of other businesses in different verticals, but in the real estate space, everyone's always tried to combine the most amount of services for the commission split. I call it commission split gray area. Mm -hmm. where you might be on a 70-30 split and we give you these tools and we give you this and marketing, but everyone kind of knows that it doesn't always live up to everything. And it's like if you're a top producer, you may get more service or quicker replies. But it came about from me being on the other side. It wasn't just like a random idea. Yeah. And we'll get there in a second, but just overview. So Pinnacle right now is in six states? Yeah, we're in six states. We're just under a thousand agents. I think we'll break a thousand in the next week or so. Okay. And those states, California, Texas, Florida? California, Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Arkansas, North Carolina. Okay. And this started about two years ago? Yeah, like two and a half years ago in Texas. Yeah. And yeah. Now, what I think is really interesting and what came up at the Hub over the past couple of days was that you kind of came upon this idea on purpose, mm-hmm. right? So if, if you kind of, and you can, I'll let you talk more about it, but you have a history as an agent, and then you have a history as to building a full-service brokerage, mm-hmm. the collective, mm-hmm. right? And then selling it to Compass. Mm-hmm. So really at the other end of the spectrum, and then you're just kind of sitting around in your bedroom one day thinking, oh, I think I'll go back into brokerage. I'm going to do the complete opposite yes. of that. So walk us through that journey. Yeah, so I started selling real estate. I got my license when I was 19. I went to school at SMU in Dallas. I played lacrosse there, started helping teammates find rentals, and then it kind of spread to like just friends on campus. I graduated 2009. Horrible time to graduate. Never thought I would be a real estate agent, but just kept working at Sotheby's in Dallas. Left Sotheby's and started the collective with two other agents from Sotheby's. Collective was acquired by Compass 2018. Stayed at Compass for a little over a year and a half. And then I left real estate brokerage for a couple years and went to Silicon Valley Mm -hmm. and joined a company Zero Down that was in Y Combinator. It was really like that time frame when I took a step back from the brokerage world and just had time to think about it, that why isn't there a subscription-based... I'd kind of had this idea when I was earlier in my career, like, why can't you just pay for a service and then pay for other services if you want add-on services? But it kind of was like taking that time away where I really came up with this idea. It's not meant to be low-cost. Like, a lot of times people get confused, like, oh, like, low-cost, low-service. It's more like thinking about it like it's a platform where... 
you pay a fixed price, you get transparent services for that price. And if you want to add stuff on, you can pay for it. How many add-ons do you have? So right now, we've probably got about 15 to 20 things that you can add on. Everything from just like websites to, you know, like custom marketing portal. That's almost like a startup in itself. Mm -hmm. It's like an app store. Yeah, like we have a dashboard. We call it Pinnacle HQ. Mm -hmm. You can go in there, kind of search the services you can add on. And it's interesting. I mean, we're reselling software and getting small margins. We're doing some things in-house. That's kind of the side of the business that I think I'm most excited about. I mean, the brokerage side's exciting, but that's... Well, why are you most excited about that side? I just think no one has cracked the attachment services side of the real estate industry. Everyone talks about it. I remember when I was at Compass, they were talking about launching like a add-on service. I think a lot of people have kind of like danced around this. I think Lone Wolf or someone had that marketplace they tried to launch where if you were a customer of theirs, you could use some of those products. But I've always been obsessed, like in seventh and eighth grade, I used to sell a bunch of stuff on eBay, Mm. which is really another story for a different podcast. But I've always been interested in just how software can make things easier, not necessarily like change the way everyone's doing everything, but just kind of make it easier for them to run their business how they want. But there's not a resource right now where you can go search and opt in to things and pay for it. Why do you think that is? Why have none of these other companies or businesses managed to really crack that nut? Yeah, I mean, I think it's because the industry has this commission split mindset where you give enough services so people stay at the company, but not too much that you lose money. That's what I call the commission split gray area. And the gray area is getting grayer and grayer because margins are getting worse and worse. Like, you know, in the 1970s, firms could get away with 50-50 commission splits because You literally had to go into the office to know what was on the market. You think about like how all this started. The splits were justified 30, 40 years ago because you had to get information from the brokerage. As that's changed, the agent has become more of like a consultant and less like an information. I read an article one time, but it was like agents used to be information gatekeepers, and now they are more like superhero consultants. Mm -hmm. Consumers know just as much about property info as the agents. So the role is completely shifted. I don't think the brokerages have shifted with that. They've tried to keep the same model and add on tech, add on services, but the foundation of the revenue model has not changed, which that's, it kind of blows my mind. Do you think that commission split model is irrelevant? I don't think it's irrelevant. I don't think the biggest brokerages in the industry will be commission split models in 10 years. Hmm. I'm not saying we're like the one that's going to be the model, but I just don't see how a commission split revenue model makes sense in 10 years. Interesting. So do you think the model that you're operating right now is the model of the future? Like the winning model? I think like a fixed price model is where the industry's going, especially no matter what happens with these lawsuits, that hot button topic, even commission split firms, I think that will take years for that to kind of really impact some of these brokerages. But I just don't see how the commission split model holds up in the next decade. Okay. So when you were sitting around and you decided to start Pinnacle, Mm -hmm. why? Why this model? Were you seeing a big demand? Because you were an agent. You ran a brokerage. Why did you decide this? It was something, like if I really think about it, like Jonathan Rosen, who's 
a good friend of mine, and we were at Sotheby's together and then started the collective together with Christy Berry, another agent. We used to just sit in our office and talk about, like, how are there not other models? I really thought about it, like, looking at things like I use all the time in my life, like Spotify. And, like, when you look at the things you pay for, like, 90% of the stuff that you pay for is a subscription. Spotify, your mortgage, rent, car payment, just completely disconnected from real estate. The subscription revenue model is a very well-known model. No one had ever really applied that. I know firms have subscription fees, like office fees and things, but no one has taken it to this, like, that's the main model. Here's what you get. Here's what you don't get. Like we've talked about the last couple of days. Like we're very clear on what we do and what we don't do. There's not like a gray area, like I think a lot of firms, not intentionally, but a lot of firms say they do a lot of things for agents, and that's getting less and less as commission splits go higher. What kind of agents are you attracting? We, yeah, so that's interesting. The first hundred agents was interesting because you were having to convince people that you weren't going to like go out of business. <laughs> but I would say primarily we attract mid, an agent that's been somewhere for like two or three years. They're on a, not the best commission split. They know what they're doing and they're kind of interested in either making more money or controlling their brand. So you can either join Pinnacle Realty Advisors, that's what your sign will say, or we have a white label product that's a subscription-based product also, but it could say Mike and Sam Real Estate. Mm -hmm. And so that product lends itself more to like top producers or like established teams that are at a firm and they kind of have their own systems. They don't want to go launch a brokerage on themselves. So it's kind of like a way for them to launch a company without having to start from scratch. The Pinnacle agents... It's everyone from commercial agents to we have some home builders that have agents that hang their license with us. What do agents like about the model? They really like, I mean, honestly, we hear everything from just like the service is still really good. So we don't skimp on the service. So we put a lot of effort into building good systems, hiring good people. We like to say we're like fastest team in real estate, which that's just kind of like an internal slogan we have. But we try to respond to people very quickly. We have really good support from everything from questions to if they just need something, we try to be there for them. And then they like that it's really transparent on the pricing. There's no hidden fees. It's literally one monthly fee. If you add a team member to your team, another monthly fee. If you have your license in multiple states, another monthly fee. Mm -hmm. If you want to add a website on, monthly fee. So there's no like unknown. They can kind of plan out their whole year. Oh, I'm going to owe Pinnacle X amount of money this year. Mm. So a lot of agents like that they can take the money that they're making and reinvest in themselves is something we hear a lot too. What's the most popular add-on feature right now? Websites. We have some partnerships with Playster, Chime, Luxury Presence. And then, yeah, I would say like adding a website and then marketing types. We're still experimenting with the marketing services. But I think that's a place where we could really offer a lot more. Okay. So a couple of days ago, you shared this really interesting recruitment story and kind of a key learning out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So something we've learned being in this kind of brokerage, I came from kind of the traditional world, Sotheby's, our boutique firm, and then Compass. There's not like on those websites, you can't go to the website and click like join now. You can't like go sign up online. It's kind of like you have to know someone or like, mm. you know, they have Alec Compass did a really good job with outbound recruiters. So with Pinnacle, we've always done some digital marketing and then we've also had outbound recruiters trying to go recruit agents. Just something that I learned with this company is 
the outbound does not work as well as the inbound. So it's like if someone's looking for like a new model or a new way to run their business, a lot of people will either hear from one of our current agents or they'll start searching online. So like 90% of our agents come through like a digital marketing channel. 10% probably come from like referral or our sales team still does some outbound, but we just learned that trying to pull an agent out of a traditional firm to a new model just didn't work for us. And so we spent a lot of money on the outbound in-person type recruiting, which seems normal to me coming from that world. But with this model, it just is not something that we're not putting a lot of effort into anymore. So are potential agents literally just going to your website, filling out a form and clicking join and pulling out a credit card? Yeah, so it doesn't happen a lot, but I bet a few times a month we'll have what we call a blind sign up where no one has spoken to them. You can fully sign up on our site, like checking out on like a retail store. Usually they'll, they'll at least have some sort of inbound, fill out a form. Someone from our team will call them. And I usually say someone either signs up within one week or six months. Mm. So they're either like ready to go. They've already kind of know about the product or know an agent at the firm. They just want to sign up, switch. Or it takes a few months of them doing their research and they're looking around. But our retention rate has been really high. I know we haven't been around that long, but we haven't seen a lot of churn. Our biggest churn is someone leaving the industry or maybe they just... We're not a full-time agent. They're not renewing their license or something like that. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Is there one particular piece of technology you've either built or partnered with that you're excited about when you think about the next, say, six to 12 months? Yeah. I mean, I think with us, so we're not building a lot of tools from scratch. Our kind of mentality is if there's a piece of software out there, we'd rather partner with someone than build something ourselves. I think just in general, tech has become so much cheaper that a company like this couldn't have existed even like five years ago because the infrastructure would have been too expensive. And I think a lot of brokerages try to reinvent things that are already working where like, I think our value is still kind of old school. We have a new school model, but we still are like old school in the sense where it's like good service, good support, which that's old school, I guess, in today's world. We're trying to bridge the gap with like old school service, new age business model. So I think about innovation more around the revenue model and the service side and less about a particular software or something giving us an edge. Like, I don't know. I think the industry got caught up in this software arms race, I call it, the last mm -hmm. decade. With Compass has done amazing things for the industry, but it forced other companies to start spending a lot on software. I don't know if agents, if you go ask many agents, they're not like going to say, oh, the reason I'm a good agent is because my CRM is better than Mike's. Right. It may boost that agent, but it's not the silver bullet. The best agents are still people that are just working hard and out in the community and knowing the market or, hey, that street's a bad street because at three o'clock there's a school zone and the traffic's horrible. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff we talked about the last few days, like, that's where agents value is, like the last mile, you know, like you've talked about. But really from contract to closing is where agents earn the commission, and I think it's justified. Yeah. The early stuff before that, everyone can go look on Zillow. I mean, Zillow changed the industry on that, and I don't think – we don't have home search on our website. I don't see – it kind of makes me laugh when companies put so much effort into building home search. And if they really showed us their traffic numbers, they're horrible. Just go use Redfin or Zillow. It's amazing. Yeah. And then we'll set you up on an MLS search if you want to know that info. 
it works fine. Yeah. So, if you were to start a company in real estate today, mm-hmm. would this be the company, or would you do something different? Yeah, in the brokerage space, this would be the company. This week's made me even more excited about some things we're doing, and it's made me rethink some of the things I've been thinking about. But I do think we just got lucky with the timing. I mean, the last year has been interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, hey, Sam, how's the company? They think we're doing horribly because macro headlines are so bad for the industry, interest rates, yada, yada, yada. Transaction volumes are down. And we've grown. Last year, we more than doubled in size. We are seen as like a low-cost option compared to other firms. So we've taken advantage of agents being slower. But I don't want us to be known as a low-cost firm at all because I think you get bucketed like low-cost, low-service. And so something I'm trying to think about is this like longevity thing. And the service side, I think, is what becomes our moat, in a sense, if we can really build that out at scale. How do you want to build that out? That's something I think about all the time. Right now, it's just something we think about and talk about a lot. But I'm just focused on continuing to add agents and run a profitable business, which is a a nominal. We are a venture-backed company, but we are a profitable company, which is a weird thing in today's world. That's the unicorn. Um, So I'm just happy and thankful to be in the spot we're in. And we have a great team. And I would say we're, we're not going slow. We're moving fast, but we're not reckless. A lot of our team has built companies, sold companies, and we do have a lot of real estate people on our team. It's We're not coming at this from, oh, we have this idea, real estate needs to be disrupted. I think there's been a tone around that in the venture world in the last decade, and a lot of people don't realize how hard real estate is if you haven't been involved. So That's, that's I, an understatement. I invite outside people to challenge real estate people because it's way harder than it seems. And it's not like stockbrokers or travel agents, like Mm. a lot of people like to compare real estate agents. Absolutely true. (laughs) What's been one of the biggest challenges you've faced over the past year? Yeah, the biggest challenges for me have easily been around finding where our brand fits into the market, hiring properly, like on our staff side, and just a fast-growing company and making sure you're putting people in the right place, like on the team side, so like behind the scenes. And then also just building systems. We're fully virtual, remote company, so agents and staff, which I know there's other virtual brokerages, but just learning how to like run a company from my living room is I don't love. Like I love being around people and being in person, but you can make it work. It's just you have to kind of rethink traditional, like just running the company stuff is a lot different. So that's been a challenge just for me personally. And how many staff do you have now? So we're just under 20. Okay. And what'd you have 12 months ago? We were over closer to like mid, like 25, 26. Okay. So you've had to kind of right size. Yeah. So we've let some people go towards the end of last year and have just kind of outsourced some things that we were doing internally. Got it. We put a lot of effort into like brokerage and operations. So like All of our brokers have been brokers. We don't just like get a license, launch a state. So I would say our strongest, not weapon, but like a strong part of our company is brokerage and the operations side. We're not trying to like automate away and like, oh, submit a question and get like a bot talking to you. We really try to lean into the service side a lot. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense. And it makes sense why you'd want to get away from this low cost moniker. Yes. Because that we learned the hard way, though. 
Yeah, I like, so. Like in the first six months, we thought like, oh, low cost, like it stands out, like digital ads, 100% commission. You start attracting just interesting people that are coming from other like just hang your license type brokerages. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of swiped that. I mean, if you look at our website now, I mean, it mentions 100% commission, but in the bullet points, not the headlines. Yeah. And so we're trying to lean more into this like brokerage platform, brokerage as a service, less 100% commission. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So if you could clone yourself, <laughs> there's one version of you is still running Pinnacle and growing that, but there's another version of you that gets to be the CEO of any company in the real estate space. What company would you want to be the CEO of? That's existing right now. Yeah. Maybe Tyler's company, Certified. Okay. That we met this week. But yeah, yeah. Tyler's my new friend, and Mike may have known him before, but he runs a security payments platform to reduce wire fraud. I think that's super interesting because it blows my mind how wires are sent in the real estate space. Yeah. And just the way money moves. And I'm really interested in payments and like fintech type ideas. So I think, yeah, it wouldn't be a brokerage. I think I would be interested in doing something in this space afterwards, maybe on a different side of the space. So I think that's super interesting. Why? Why not a brokerage? I don't know. I'm 37 now. So almost half my life has been in the brokerage world outside of the detour to Silicon Valley. I love real estate and it would just challenge my mind. I I don't, brokerage isn't easy for me, but it is very, like I know it very well. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to challenge myself just in another part of the industry. Okay. That's great. That makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned Tyler and you've talked about the past couple of days, the hub. How was that experience for you? The hub was incredible. I mean, I didn't know what to expect coming into it. I showed up because Mike's research is something I love. I love reading. I love data. And I'd always just been a fan of Mike's work. I love Boulder. So I knew that by showing up, if someone's showing up to something like this, they're motivated and curious and interested to learn. Mm -hmm. And so just meeting people like Gene, who runs an MLS, I would never meet someone like that in this setting where you just actually, like, I feel like I'll be friends with him after this. Mm -hmm. But just meeting people that come at the industry from such different places. Craig's done all kinds of things. Tyler's company. Yeah. And then talking to people that run brokerages like I used to be involved with. It's just interesting, unique setting where you can meet people and actually talk to them and learn things. And it's not like a conference where... You're just running around speaker to speaker, coffee, happy hour, wake mm-hmm. up, this, that. It's actually been very insightful for me. Any particular kind of learning or key takeaway? Yeah, my high level learning is that the industry is way bigger than I remember. I think about sometimes because when you're running a business, you get so ingrained or just day to day, you're just thinking about your company and you're part of the industry, brokerage, this. What are these guys doing? What's going on here? When coming to something like this, you just realize how big real estate is, hmm. how many companies can exist in the space. It's not like a zero-sum game where like Amazon, it would be hard to compete with Amazon or it's hard to compete with Coca-Cola. Even if I gave you $20 billion, it would be hard to create Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. But like in this space, there's room for traditional firms. There's room for models like us. There's room for all kinds of companies to exist and That's just like high level perspective I take away from this. All right. And you said you've listened to this podcast a couple episodes. Yeah. Is there anything in particular you've learned? I've learned, 
your network is incredible and it's cool to see all the people that you are able to pull into your world and I feel like listening to your podcast people are more open and sharing stuff than they are on other podcasts I don't know why that is but I feel like I've just learned how like real like day-to-day type stories like the ladder in bloom CEO Mm -hmm. I really like that one because I think it's cool that she comes from this traditional firm, but then they're acquiring a company that kind of looks like mine. Yeah. And they're not acting like the traditional firm's the only way. I think there's some people in our industry that get like their head in the sand where they're like, this model is the only model. And that kind of like drives me crazy. It's like, I'm very open-minded and like to learn from different people. And so I think I've learned a lot about different companies from your podcast. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah. So I'm going to end with a question I usually start with. I see you with coffee there. How do you typically start your day, Sam? So I wake up pretty early, 6 to 6.30. I exercise a lot. I'm not an exercise right when I wake up person. So generally, coffee, I avoid the computer for like two hours. I read a lot. So I usually try to read for like 30 or 45 minutes. Nothing real estate, just books. I'm not a big newsletter, social media person. Coffee, read, and then usually go walk around my neighborhood, and then... What a lovely way to start this Whatever day. happens from there. It's taken me a couple of years to get to that point. I used to be like, wake up, computer, computer, computer. Yeah. But something, I don't know, during COVID, I, I've always liked to read, but I just started reading a ton, and... It yeah. helps, right? It yeah, just it kind helps. of expands your brain, going in different directions. And yeah, and then, like, I write. Like, I don't have my journal right here, but if people know me, they know I'm always carrying around a notebook, and they wonder what's in it, and it, sometimes it scares me what I write in there. But it helps me just clear my thoughts and get things out of my head. So. Awesome. I love it. And what kind of coffee person are you? Just uh, either Americanos or just black coffee. Okay. But I like cinnamon in it. Ooh. Uh-huh. What do you have in your Amante coffee right there? Triple Americano with cinnamon. Great. Yeah. All right. On that note, any other closing thoughts? Thanks for having me. And thanks anyone that's considering going to the hub or visiting Mike in Boulder. I would say it's awesome. And the venue where we are right now, where we had the last couple of days was amazing. So thank you to this place also. And thanks for having us. Yeah. So we're here at the City Club in Boulder. No, absolutely. I'm really glad you could come along and I'm glad we could grab all my podcast equipment and and get this in. Thank you. All right, sweet. So that was Sam. I'm Mike Delpretti, and you were listening to Context. If you want to check out more podcasts or more of my research, best place to start is mikedp.com. And yeah, that's it for us today. We'll see you next time. Thanks.